Hey guys and welcome to the channel. Right, if you are new to the channel, please do remember to subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. If you're a new podcast listener, do leave a rating review. And of course, do remember to like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Really, really important. Helps out with the algorithm. Smash that like button. Let's get as many likes as possible, please. Right, let's get into this. This was, in my opinion, the best tennis match of 2022 so far. Definitely the best. I think best of three match anyway uh, this year so far without a shadow of a doubt for sure. Maybe not the best match actually, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but best three setter, best best of three match ever, ever, ever in 2022 so far. Yes, for sure. What a match. Novak Djokovic versus Carlos Alcaraz and Carlos Alcaraz at 19 years of age becomes the first player ever to beat Novak Djokovic and Rafa Nadal. Back-to-back, in a clay court tournament, the first player ever. So, not even just back-to-back, he's just the first player to beat both of them in a clay court tournament ever. I mean, how ridiculous is that? At 19 years of age, and he's just beaten two goats in two consecutive days. What more do you want? What more do you want? The hype has been officially realized, and I think everyone is entitled to getting hyped about him now. I'm not going to start saying that he's going to win 25 slams or whatever, but look, I mean, he is real. He's here. He's live rank. He's now number six. He's coming for everyone. He really is. And he's now in the final, of course, where he'll be playing Alexander Zverev, who just beat Stefanos Tsitsipas in a very entertaining match. He'll go into that the huge favorite. And this match was just like the Rafa Nadal match. I think these are the type of career-defining wins that he has been looking for and I think he'll definitely take confidence from these as he said in his post-match interview and I personally think he will kick on and he's already been kicking in a lot but as in I think he'll personally kick on and start making some big runs at grand slams and that's where you then start raising your eyebrows saying hold on he's on the next gen is either now even at such a young age and I think he's starting to get there uh, so beware. Right, let's get into the match. So, of course, in the end, a very good win, a very, very tight match, just to say the least, by the way, as well. Like it was a matter of a couple of points here or there. Djokovic won the first set 7-6 in a tiebreaker. Alcaraz took the second set 7-5 and then took the third set tiebreaker 7-5. Um, so obviously won that set 7-6. So I want to isolate the second set and put it to one side for the for a second and talk a little bit more about the first set tiebreak and third set tiebreak because, of course, they went two different ways. The first set to Djokovic, 7-5 in that tiebreaker, and then for Alcaraz, 7-5 in that third set tiebreaker. So <laughs> it's really interesting, right? So I think, first of all, what we have to say is I was extremely impressed by Novak Djokovic and the level that he was able to show and exert in this match. I mean, we saw him against Andre Rublev, where Rublev was playing really well in Belgrade in that final. And in the third set, he just completely capitulated physically, got bageled. Now, it seems like he's back to his physical... Oh, I don't want to say peak of his career, but he's definitely back to almost anyway, 100% of his physical capability anyway which is great to see sliding around you know Mr. Elastic as we like to call him great to see that first set now Alcraz broke first 
and he was causing problems uh, to Djokovic with just his power from the back of the court. He wasn't able to handle it, Djokovic, uh, in, in parts. But then Djokovic did really well. He was 4-2 down. He came back, broke Alcaraz back at 4-1. And he also did something which a lot of players are maybe weary of, which is he went to the forehand more often than pretty much anyone on tour. And what we ended up finding out is that Noah Djokovic is not afraid of the Alcaraz forehand. And the reason why is because he's, because he's probably thinking, well, hold on, I've gone to the Federer forehand before and Federer is like, has got a ridiculously good forehand at, at least, you know, at the level of Alcaraz's. Well, especially at his peak. So why am I going to worry about going into that side? If I go into that side in an intelligent way, I shouldn't be too worried. And he did. He went into that side at angles uh, with great depth when he did. Or he went backhand on the line early down that side and then tried to kind of rush Alcaraz on the forehand side. So generally, really impressive. Uh, and the fact that he was able to nullify it at times was great. Um, but the biggest plus, I think, for Djokovic will be that he engaged in the backhand-to-backhand exchanges. And I said in my previous post-match review that Carlos Alcaraz's backhand is really solid. And actually, for me, it doesn't seem like a big weakness. I don't think it's a big weakness, but I think it might be a little bit harsh to say, but in this match, I think it definitely let him down somewhat, Alcaraz. Um, And it's easy to say that now. I mean, he's won the match, so it obviously didn't let him down that much. But it let him down enough, I think, that Novak Djokovic was able to win those battles. Now, Novak probably has arguably the best two-handed backhand on tour, so there's no shame in that. But I think it was just the fact that Djokovic was able to go into out as well on the forehand side, uh, into the Alcaraz backhand. And he was able to find angles on the backhand and into out forehand where Alcaraz was having to hit backhands at his ankles at, time, at times and just dragged out wide as well. And it's so uncomfortable for anyone on tour. But I think especially for him, he just wasn't enjoying it. He was seeing a lot of backhands into the net trying to go too low, um, too flat over... The net, I knew I know that he obviously had a lot of success against Nadal in the previous round, um, going and hitting that lower, flatter backhand cross court at an angle. But the issue that he had was that Nadal is a is a lefty, right? So naturally he swings that forehand, especially when he's going cross court away. So it's kind of into the arc of the backhand. Whereas when Djokovic, when he's going into out with a forehand, it's not. It's actually arcing towards Alcaraz, and not just that, but the backhand as well. It's not the same kind of natural arc that Nadal gives you. And a lot of the times when Alcaraz was hitting that backhand, Nadal was hitting a very loopy forehand, so it gave him a lot of time. He could adjust. Novak was trying to go hard and fast or very deep with not a huge amount of kind of air on those balls to avoid Alcaraz stepping on the backhand and it worked a treat for a large portion of that first set so obviously he managed to then break back then we get into the tiebreaker now at this stage I'm thinking okay the first couple of points are crucial they really are but Djokovic just started running away with the tiebreaker I think it was 4-1 up in the tiebreaker um just served so well I mean his serve in this this whole tournament, I think, has been really, really impressive. And it's great to see him serving as well as he has been because I think that's something that was a little bit of an area of concern, especially the the second serve as well, was just a little bit poor at times. 
but he stepped up and I've actually got the stats here. So for Djokovic, 67% of first serves in. And let's talk about it from a set one point of view, right? Because I thought it was incredible how well he backed up the first serve in the, in the first set. 61% of first serves made in, 90% of first serve points won, 69% behind the second serve. Alcraz, 55% of first serves made, 73% behind the first serve, which is pretty good. 48% behind the second serve, which isn't bad. He had to save more break points. He had to save two out of three. Djokovic, zero out of one. Two aces apiece, one double fault apiece. So technically, Djokovic, looking at the stats after, would have thought should have edged that first set anyway, and he did on the tiebreaker. He was just too clutch in the big points, uh, served extremely well into corners, uh, and Alcaraz just wasn't able to stick with Djokovic and ended up making some kind of fatal unforced errors um, in that tiebreaker. And then Djokovic ran away with it, really, and ended up taking the tiebreaker. 7-5, Alcaraz had a little bit of momentum back, trying to kind of shift back into it. But in the end, uh, Djokovic winning um, the set as well with the first serve, made the first serve, and then Alcaraz made the mistake going backhand into the net uh, for that first serve. If he'd actually gone down the line, by the way, with that backhand and he made it, I think it would have been a winner, to be fair. But Djokovic with a massive roar to the crowd. And an interesting point, and I know some people have said that uh, they thought that he was antagonized by the crowd, obviously cheering on Alcaraz. Uh, I don't think he was. I think he does like playing into it a little bit, I think. And clearly it helps fuel the fire for him personally. Uh, but of course, they were going to cheer for Alcaraz. He's Spanish. They're in Madrid. It's not a surprise. Um, but it, it seems to help him get rile himself up. So that was interesting. Uh, and then set two was a bit of a turnaround. So Alcaraz, Alcaraz did really well, I thought, throughout set two. Uh, he then did something for me, which was quite impressive, which was he started to step up his kind of assault on Djokovic. He didn't say, okay, I've just lost that first set. It was really, really tight. Let me maybe go into my shell a little bit and try and play more conservatively. He said, no, I'm going to play on the front foot. And what he then did really well was uh, a little bit of kind of fire and ice, a contrast, which was he'd go hard into the backhand of Djokovic or forehand, especially trying to utilize the forehand as well, make as many forehands as possible. I think he realized the backhand wasn't as potent today. So then he went big on the in-to-in forehand and into out forehand, started moving around the backhand really efficiently. Uh, Djokovic, of course, trying to trap him in the corner, the backhand corner, and trying to make him hit a lot of backhands with great depth. But Alcaraz, for the most part, doing well to avoid having to hit so many backhands. And then what he did really well is as soon as he had Djokovic moving back was, I'm going to hit the drop shot. And I'm going to hit it. It doesn't necessarily need to be a winning a winner, but I'm going to hit it and get you stretching. Uh, even though you're super fit, you're one of the best movers ever. Uh, let's be honest, there's Novak Djokovic and you're Mr. Elastic. I trust myself enough on the drop shot. I think he hit two drop shot winners in the first set. Then that increased dramatically by at least double in the second set. And on top of that, he played it a lot more. And for the most part, to to great success. I mean, I personally think it's the best drop shot on tour. And if Novak Djokovic and Rafa Nadal are struggling with it, then you know you've got an incredible drop shot because these guys, are, even at this age, are still incredibly fit. They're incredibly mobile. If they're not able to track down those drop shots, I mean, Djokovic at times literally kind of put his head back in disbelief to say, what the hell? Like That's just unbelievable. Like he's hit a drop shot. I've got, I'm not getting anywhere near. It didn't even move. 
so that was what was so incredible to see. And on top of it, there are, of course, some incredible points where, uh, especially the one to win the set, where he went drop shot, Djokovic dinked it drop shot in exchange, in the exchange cross court in return. And you're thinking Alcaraz is going to get to that. He gets to it. Not only does he get to it, but he kind of manages to somehow scoop it down the line for a winner to then take the set. I mean, it was just, yeah, incredible to see Alcaraz, for me, definitely stepped up in that second set, stepped up his kind of proactive level, uh, especially with the with the drop shot and knew, okay, right, I need to utilize that more. I also thought he came to the net more as well in the second set on, onwards as well. Uh, started to serve volley at times, which was great to see. We know that that's an, definitely an aspect of his game that I think is important for his success. And yes, it didn't always work. Djokovic with some great returns and passing shots at times, but generally it was fine. And then on top of that, uh, I think his first serve was pretty good, I thought, throughout the whole of the match. And, and there's an interesting kind of stat here where it groups together um, or kind of graphic, which actually groups together the Alcaraz um, serve. And if you look at it from the juice side, 67% into the backhand, 18% to the forehand, 60% into the body. So that's majority of the time, by the way, we're talking about 67%. So the backhand is those big kick serves that widen to the backhand on the ad side, which is seems to be anyway the kind of go-to serve for most players on the clay. And on the juice side, he mixed it up nicely. 52% down the tee, so again, into the backhand, but 41% out wide to the forehand. And what he did really well was, for a lot of those serves out wide onto the forehand side, he dragged Djokovic out. He was very deep in the box with the, the serve placement and right into the corners, and he got a couple of aces as well out wide. Uh, and what was really impressive, I thought, was the fact that he was dragging Djokovic out, someone who is such an incredible returner, the best returner ever, in my opinion, dragged him out so that he was hitting forehands in very awkward positions. Yes, it did. It, I think at times it maybe became a little bit predictable in terms of um, he wasn't going into the body at all. But I think on clay, you don't necessarily need to, especially on a first serve. Uh, and he mixed it up well enough that he went 52% down the tee. So when they, he did go out wide, Djokovic wasn't thinking, oh, he's been doing this the whole time. No, it, there was enough of a mix there to keep Djokovic kind of second thinking or, yeah, second thinking, second guessing even. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, went out wide with uh, a couple of those serves and had a lot of success with them. Djokovic on the stretch and then Alcaraz coming forward. And what I think was really impressive for me today is how clinical he was in a lot of the big points where he had to save break points. Alcaraz, he did so. Not just the big points, but the points where he would hit a serve, it would be shorter. And rather than, uh, I think with a lot of players, they can get carried away with, let's just make the ball in with decent depth into the corner. Alcaraz is clinical and he just crunches, crunches it into the open court. Uh, winners galore. I mean, the end-to-end forehand, uh, he's just completely ruthless in that shot. And Djokovic scrambling on the forehand side in a lot of instances. But Djokovic, for me, I just said a lot of good things about Alcaraz. Djokovic, for me, was really good today, by the way. I don't think he was bad at all. Um, and what he did really well was keep up with Alcaraz in a lot of the rallies and making him play the extra shot. Eventually, Alcaraz would make an unforced error, go into the net, or even Djokovic was able to push him back and force the forced error. Uh, the backhand on the line was firing nicely. 
And as I said, the backhand to backhand exchanges, he was just having the better of them. I think in forehand to forehand, he wasn't afraid to go there, but I think he kind of realized as the match wore on that it wasn't the right play and tried to then go down the line earlier with the forehand. Um, didn't always work though, because Alcaraz, I think, started moving so well and started trying to take the ball as well earlier. In the first set, he was very far behind the baseline at times, and that's because of how well and deep Djokovic was hitting the ground strokes. But in the second set, he tried to take the impetus and stay uh, kind of as close to the baseline as possible, if not moving forward to try and volley or drop shot, for example. So that was impressive to see um, from my point of view anyway. And then set three, I mean, was an absolutely cracking set. It was topsy-turvy. Uh, and then the stats really start to reflect the type of level of tennis we started seeing. So four aces for Djokovic, two for Alcaraz. And then first set percentage, 73% for Djokovic, 81% for Alcaraz. First set points, one 56% for the Serb, 74% for the Spaniard. And then 75% of second serve points one, which is incredible from Novak Djokovic to win 75% of second serve points one. I think... That's one area that Alcaraz would have been slightly disappointed with is the fact that he didn't win a lot of second serve points. I think Djokovic placed the second serve pretty damn impressively at times uh, into corners and uh, enough kick on it to really get himself back into neutral. I think also he was very clever, Djokovic, in the one-plus plays. At times, when he felt like he was on the back foot, he started slow-balling Alcaraz at times, which was interesting, uh, with moon balls. And uh, the first set, his MPH, I think, was at like 81 miles per hour on the forehand. He slowed it down to 77 miles per hour on the forehand in the second set. Uh, they're still on serve when they show this stat. Obviously, he lost that set, but the reason why he started doing that is because he probably thought, I need to change this up. And rather than just going hammer and tongs with Alcaraz, where he'd probably end up coming out second best uh, for power, he thought, well, okay, let's try and hit these more kind of loopy. Uh, well, you can say moon balls, but it's not really a moon ball. It's more these high quality, uh, huge topspin lob forehands at times uh, to really slow down the play and get himself, uh, I think, and give himself a bit more time really in the rallies and hopefully get himself back to neutral after being on the back foot consistently. So I think generally that was an interesting tactic. But for him, the drop shot, was a big contrast to the drop shot success that Alcaraz had. It was either a lot of drop shots going into the net for Djokovic or Alcaraz chasing them down, putting it away, or kind of drop shotting him in returns and then managing to win the point. So generally, it was a very, very solid performance from Djokovic and played his part, but definitely outclassed on the day by a young Spaniard who is really coming into his own. And that tiebreaker, I think, was clutch from Alcaraz. Of course, he did take the early lead, but then he didn't... I think the the biggest thing for me is that he didn't kind of like poo himself and think, oh no, I've just burned opportunities. Like he had a match point at 5-4 um, up, I think it was, on Djokovic's serve. And he didn't think, okay, oh, what have I done? How have I managed to lose that? He just said, okay, that's happened. Let's move on. And what happened is we went into the tiebreaker. He had his first match point, didn't take it. He was on Djokovic's serve. Second time of asking in that tiebreaker. Huge into in forehand to finish it off. And you just think, 
this kid is something special and he definitely is. For Novak Djokovic, a great deal of experience and time on court, so he'll be happy for that. Um, but obviously disappointed with the result. And for Alcaraz, I mean, it's just huge steps in the right direction for the Spaniard. And I personally don't think he's going to be a clay court specialist. I think he will be an all-court player. Uh, but his game definitely trans translates well and transcends well onto uh, the clay and all surfaces, to be fair. It's just how well he moves, for example, on like a Wimbledon. Uh, but we'll see. Either way, really exciting times. He is such a phenomenal talent, is Carlos Alcaraz. And I, and I think wouldn't be surprised if he wins tomorrow against Alexander Zverev and even wins Rome. Uh, the Grand Slams are a different story, so we'll see how those go. But in the end, a very, very good win for Carlos Alcaraz. Well done to him. And also well done to Novak Djokovic for recovering as well as he has and starting to now look back to almost his best. For Alcaraz, the level was good. And I think... If he can keep up that level against Zverev tomorrow, it's going to be very, very hard for the Germans. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Please remember to smash that like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, and I think also the fact that Djokovic was a bit rusty probably then led into the fact that, you know, there were some big first serves sent down or second serves from Alcaraz and Djokovic missed the returns. And he might went a bit long uh, with the forehand or backhand and probably would have thought, okay, I've hit that pretty cleanly. I'm pretty close to the lines. But it happened a few times and I, you just feel like, oh, that could be, well, it could definitely be a reason why they didn't. Um, yeah. But yeah, just extremely good uh, in the end from Carlos Alcaraz beating Novak Djokovic in three sets. Really impressive. Um, gets it done. He'll make his way into that final against Vera. What a cracker that will be. Thanks very much, guys, for tuning in. Please do remember to smash the like button, please, if you haven't done so already, and do subscribe as well. If you're listening on a podcast platform, do leave a rating and review. Thank you very much. Stay safe and well, and we'll see you on the next video.